Welcome to the Brentwood Academy podcast. We are a co-educational, independent college preparatory school near Nashville, Tennessee. Our mission is to nurture and challenge each whole person, body, mind, and spirit to the glory of God. This podcast will give you a glimpse into the stories, lives, and relationships that make BA such a special place. For more information about BA, visit BrentwoodAcademy.com. Now on to today's episode. I'm Jean Natwick, and today we're covering a kind of a hot-button topic, a concerning topic, and we're really fortunate to have Dr. Lauren King here from Southeast Psych, located here in Brentwood, Tennessee. Welcome, Lauren. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you being here. Excited to be here. So I'm kind of just going to, first I want to find out a little bit about Southeast Psych, because I think you've been here since 2016? That's exactly right. We opened in August of 2016. Okay, but you came from North Carolina. Yes. Tell me how these two offices are related. Yeah, so Southeast Psych opened in Charlotte, North Carolina about 18 years ago, and their mission was to get psychology into the hands of as many people as possible to enhance their lives. And the two founders, Dave Verhagen and Frank Gaskell, wanted a practice that wasn't clinical or stodgy, where the psychologists didn't take themselves too seriously. Their values were fun innovation, relationships, and excellence. They wanted people to walk in and feel like, hey, I'm kind of hanging out in somebody's den, and this is fun. There's superheroes everywhere, Star Wars figures all over the office there. Um, It's a very unique place. You'll see the psychologists pulling pranks on each other all the time. And the way that they get psychology into the hands of as many people as possible is not just through therapy, group therapy, assessment, But they also have a media company. So they do multiple podcasts every week. They have lots of websites about psychology, blogs, that kind of thing. Um, Videos about educating people about psychology. We do free talks everywhere, um, you know, to just help people understand more about it. So I started working at Southeast Psych in 2008, and I fell in love with the culture being there. I just felt like these are people that I work with that I would want to hang out with. They're fun people. And, you know, you want a psychologist who seems like a normal person. (laughs) And so I loved my job, and I felt like they were doing excellent work. I mean, these were some of the best psychologists in the country all working together. Um, actually the head of the private practice division of the American Psychological Association called Southeast Psych the best private practice in the country. Wow. And yes. when I, I had my first child, I thought, I want to stay at Southeast Psych, but I want to move to Nashville where my family <laughs> is. And so I asked the leadership team, I created a presentation and said, can I open Southeast Psych Nashville? I'd love to have another branch of it. I want to work in Nashville, but I want to work in Nashville at Southeast Psych. And they said, yes, let's do it. And then I asked to bring Dave, one of the founders, with me. And he really has been a godsend because starting a a practice with 10 clinicians from the ground up in a new city is no small task. And so he's been a great guide for me. I'm the site director, but he really helps me um, with leadership and has helped me to build a practice. So we are separate LLCs, but we have the same CEO, We meet with them once a month. We have the same mission and values. So that's how they're connected and really how we got started here. Well, we are so glad that you're here in the area. And, you know, one thing that I know Dave had said, I read somewhere that he had talked about, um, mentions that how psychology has a lot to say about pop culture, which Mm -hmm. creates kind of an avenue to help that's helpful to talk to people what is what 
you know, what does that mean? So do you see that in the office mm-hmm. and what and what did, what does that mean? Yeah, like when you come in our office, uh, it's a little different. You know, we've got, we do have a fireplace and, you know, chairs and guitars on the wall. Guitars on the ceiling. But there's movie posters everywhere and superheroes and stuff. And that's because we're a strengths-based practice. We like to talk about what's good about people, not just what's going wrong. But I do think pop culture allows us um, a fun way to talk to particularly teens, mm-hmm. you know, about psychology. So a lot of our psychology just have written chapters and books about like Star Wars and psychology, Harry Potter and psychology, um, you know, like Black Panther and psychology is being right. written right now. And a few of our psychologists are contributing chapters to that. And we also have a website called Shrink Tank that is all about like if psychology and pop culture had a baby, that's what it would be. So we do like to talk about that a good bit. That's great. And so what what are the ages that you work with? And like, what types of areas do you touch on? Yeah, pretty much every age. So I think mm-hmm. sometimes people think we're a child and adolescent practice, but we see, say that we treat children, adolescents, and fun adults. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it, like if that. you want a calm practice with white walls and there's a lot of those and that's great we say go for it you know but if you want a place that's a little different and fun then come see us um but we you know have people who do couples therapy cameron gordon who's one of the psychologists who works at our practice he's also a full-time professor at mtsu but he says i see people 18 to 118 he's like the whole you know range of adults but we also have folks who will do autism assessments at six months old or three years old you know or who do behavioral interventions. I myself see kids from about five was the very youngest to, you know, 30s. I see eating disorders and OCD and that sort of thing. So that's the age range that my practice really is in. But between the 10 of us, we see just about everything. Yeah, you really cover. That's good. I mean, sometimes it's like it's, it's sad that there's the need, but it's so so good that you're available yeah, well, to touch you. on all those subjects. I'll tell you what, Nashville has been so welcoming to us and open. You know, I think when we opened, we had five psychologists. And in two and a half years, we've doubled the size of our practice. We're now at 10. And people are full. And the referrals just keep coming. I, I just feel like when we moved here, people were so kind to us immediately and said, we're glad you're here. We need you. And um, we've, we have loved being in Nashville. The sort of innovative vibe of Nashville is a great fit for us because we right. like being creative and out of the box. And that's kind of what Nashville is. Yeah. And I think kids need that. Something different. Absolutely. You know, kind of just another way to reach them. Mm-hmm. But on, on what you just said about they are so glad you're here mm-hmm. because of the need. That I, I want to know. I mean, the need has changed so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I don't know. Help me to understand because, you know, when I was in high school, it just feels different. The pressure feels different. And, you know, is it because it, there wasn't an awareness piece or is it because the need has grown so large? Mm-hmm. Are we in different times? Are these kids facing different pressures in different ways that, that we did not? Um, you know, I just, one of the things I was thinking about was, you know, when I was preparing to go to college in high school, of course, my parents, you know, we want you to have good grades. Mm-hmm. And of course, you're going to go to college. But there wasn't that pressure. Yeah. And now I feel like it's different. I mean, and it's almost not even as much as the parents, I feel like, as, as kids placing so much pressure on themselves. And as I'm assuming this is a lot of where this anxiety that you're seeing mm-hmm. is coming from. So what's happening? Yeah. 
Yeah, when I moved to Nashville, one of the first things I did was met with school counselors in the area just to say, what's the need? What's going on here? What do you see? Every single one of them said anxiety. That's the Mm. issue that we're having. Um, And research shows that anxiety and depression are five times more common than they were half a century ago. And that's not accounting for, or that is accounting for changes to the diagnostic criteria. So there is, I, I do think what you're saying is some of it is we're more aware, you know, there were kids who were missed a long time ago who were struggling right. with anxiety. I do think that's some of it, but it's worse. It, it just is. And so the reasons for that, I think there's a few things going on. I really feel like if you think about all the things this generation of parents have been through from, you know, 9-11 to, um, you know, environmental issues that have, that have happened or, you know, um, even just like racial issues that have come up, um, we just feel like, you know, school shootings, we've been through Sandy Hook um, as a generation of parents going through the recession and having a constant 24-7 news cycle, it has made us very fearful. You know, violent crime is actually much lower than it used to be, but research shows we almost all feel like violent crime is higher, you know? Right, right. Um, And we all feel that our children are at risk. We're much less likely right now to let our children play outside. So true. To let them sit in a car by themselves for just a second while we run in, you know, even on a cool day. Like, we are fearful parents, and I'm not blaming parents for saying they're doing a bad job. They almost can't help it with what they're surrounded mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. And they're told all the time, your children might not get into college. Your children need to be in the sports. You're, you know, And so we transmit that fear to our children. Sometimes unknowingly, we might not be talking about it, but children are intuitive and they pick up on it. And I think that we're sort of communicating to our children, the world is a scary place and it's not a place you can handle on your own. And they're not handling it on their own very well. They don't have very good distress tolerance as a generation. And on top of that, they are handed a higher amount of issues to deal with, with the social media pressure they're under and all of that, right? So if they're sort of not as emotionally sturdy, maybe, but then they also, on top of that, are given, I mean, just this enormous amount of like, we think about this idea of, you know, imaginary audience, right? It's a developmental thing all teens go through. They think that everyone is watching them all the time but now that's really true right like Mm -hmm. social media has made the imaginary audience a real audience so i think it's a combination of those things yeah yeah i i see that especially the social media piece of it Mm -hmm. um i definitely see some of these kids too i feel um are very good at hiding things Mm -hmm. depression stress anxiety that they're all caring what are some of the signals that parents can look for? I mean, because I know, and I have one, actually, kids that are fairly even keel, and they're really good at compartmentalizing, so you would have no idea what they're carrying on their backs um, or in their life. How would you know? I mean, yeah. I know talking to your child, mm-hmm. but, you know, what are some of the things that parents can look for? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does depend on what type of child you have. Like, do they tend to internalize stress and be quiet and kind of shut down, or do they externalize it and act out? But you want to look at the basics. You know, how are they eating? Is their eating changing? Are they starting to eat a lot more or a lot less? How's their sleep patterns? Are their grades dropping suddenly? Are they more withdrawn? Are they more irritable? You know, I mean, all teens are irritable. So True. that that alone is not a sign. Uh, yeah. But if you start to see a combination of these things, you know, being tearful or weepy, refusing to go to school, any of those things could be signs that something's cooking. 
And is there something as a parent that, you know, I mean, obviously those are the things to look for, but checking in with your child, I mean, mm-hmm. are there other things that you can do? I mean, especially for people who maybe have children that just don't really mm-hmm. want to talk. I mean, I, I have always found that, especially with kids like that, mm-hmm. sitting down and being like, so tell me about your life. That mm-hmm. that doesn't work. So it's, you know, are there things that you can do to kind of mm-hmm. engage conversation, maybe take them out of their We'll take them to coffee. Do something mm-hmm. that they enjoy where you can kind of generate some conversation. What are yeah. your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's wonderful to just keep checking in with your child and normalizing for them that this is a hard time that we live in, you know, and that they have a lot of stressors on them. This is actually a really cool generation of kids. They have a lot of strengths, you know, they like do. I'm talking about the things about them that are a struggle, but they have a lot of strengths, a high amount of empathy and a desire for justice, but talking to them about how it is hard. And really just, I would say that kids do well if you don't have to make eye contact with them. So (laughs) driving in the car is sometimes a good time to talk about right after school because they're exhausted, but pick a time and even ask a little bit more direct questions, not just like, how was your day? But tell me one great thing that happened today. And one thing that was kind of a bummer or, you know, something like that, just to get it a little piece of information and then kind of stop while you're ahead. Don't keep investigating because they'll kind of shut down, you know. But even if your child's not talking, don't give up. I love the idea of having weekly alone time that you kind of schedule where you're not talking about achievement or grades or how they're doing on cleaning the room. You're really just having fun together because building a positive relationship is something that makes them be more open later on when the chips are kind of down, you know. The other thing is that when they do open up and talk, don't immediately give advice. They're more likely to come back and talk to you if you're validating. So if you check in and they're just saying, I just feel excluded from my group. They don't hang out with me anymore. I feel like they've replaced me. I'm really struggling. I just feel sad. You know, sometimes a parent's urge to help their child feel better is, oh, sweetie, that's not true. They love you, right? So then a child either shuts down, you didn't hear me, so I'm going to stop. Or they turn up the volume, right? Mm -hmm, Like, mm -hmm. you didn't hear me. Okay, well, let me tell you all the ways I'm excluded and all the bad things about my life. And they just keep going and going and going and it escalates. But if you can validate them, validation doesn't equal agreement, right? right? Validation just says, I understand you. So let me see if I can understand this. You're saying that you felt left out when... They all went to the movies and didn't include you. Yes. Okay. Well, I could totally see how that is. You know, um, that makes sense. I think I would feel the same way. And then just you can offer another point of view at some point, but just make sure you validate first. When you do that, your child is way more likely to come back to you again and again and open up. So validate and be a good listener. Yes. Yeah. Less talking. Mm-hmm. Less talky talk. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, getting back to the anxiety piece and, pe- and kids experiencing panic attacks, because I heard about kids having panic attacks mm-hmm. frequently. And then I don't know exactly what, what might, might trigger schoolwork, friends, but you have some really good advice on how to stop a panic attack mm-hmm. and, you know, ways to – and then I'd also love to know if you're a student that experiences panic attacks – what can you do to kind of um, also maybe prevent from even going there? Is there things that exercises, breathing exercise, mm-hmm. you know, 
talking yourself through things before you even arrive to, am I having a panic attack? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So it's a great question. They're awful to go through. I mean, they're so uncomfortable, right? Like if it's, I feel like sometimes people say, oh, I'm having a panic attack, but they're really just anxious or teary. A true panic attack, I mean, oftentimes people like they feel like they're losing their mind or they might die as if they're going to have a heart attack. Something really heavy is on their chest. It's an awful feeling. So oftentimes with panic attacks, the problem is that you become scared of having another one because it is so uncomfortable. So, you know, people will work hard to avoid having one. Like if you've had a panic attack in a Walmart when it was really crowded, you don't go to Walmart anymore, right? Or um, you have to go maybe for your child, but you're thinking, oh, no, don't have a panic attack, don't have a panic attack. And you start to panic about the panic. That's what I was wondering. Can you get yourself into a ball of stress just about the possibility of even having a panic attack. Yes. So the the way of treating one is not actually let's avoid it at all costs. I mean, you can do some coping things daily. Like if you imagine that you are a bucket and the water in the bucket is the stress you carry. That throughout the day, if the water keeps building and building and building, there sometimes can be this like overflow of stress. And then that's kind of when a panic attack would occur. And that if you had a little cup and you could take some of the water out of the bucket and be dumping it out throughout the day, you wouldn't have the overflow. So there are some things you can do to take the water out of the bucket, you know, like deep breathing, muscle relaxation, imagery. Those are some things we'll talk about in in the talk that I do here. But those things are actually different for everyone. Like for me, what keeps my stress level low is like when I get home, putting on music and dancing with my four-year-old in the kitchen or like taking a bath. But for some people, they'd be like, that doesn't sound fun. That wouldn't relax me. So you can do some things like that. But actually the most important part of approaching a panic attack is radical acceptance, is saying, bring it on. Do your worst panic attack. I can handle you, right? Because it's kind of like if I you know, held up an object in front of you, like my little water bottle that I'm holding and said, okay, look at this water bottle. And then I hit it behind my back and said, okay, don't think about this water bottle. Like whatever you do, don't think about it. If you think about it, something really bad will happen. What are you doing? Thinking about You're thinking about the water bottle, right? But um, so if you say, I don't want to have a panic attack, I don't want to have it, you're actually more likely to have it. So you're actually going, bring it on. And when I tell people that, they look at me with really wide eyes like, I'm not going to do that. I'm never going to tell it, bring it on. But when you do it, it can actually stop a panic attack. And just kind of observing. Yeah, like observing it passing by, um, engaging in something else, and relaxing, kind of sitting down, taking a break uh, on the outside of what you're doing. Those can be different things to try when a, a panic attack is approaching. That's great advice because mm-hmm. I think that's something a student can do if they're if they're feeling prepared, they're aware of these five steps mm-hmm. that you know you have. They can sit in a classroom mm-hmm. and kind of work through that because I know that that can pop up and happen at any point. You know, from what I'm, I've learned for, yeah. for some people. And, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll say, okay, this week, just try this when you start to have a panic attack. You know, you sort of notice your signs and try to catch it early. But sometimes there's just a point of no return. It's going to happen. It's just going to flip and the panic attack's going to run its course. And so sometimes we'll try something. They'll say, no, oh, that didn't work. We'll try something else. It can take a little while to find what works for you. Yeah. No, that's, that's a great suggestion. Mm-hmm. And um, so as... A lot of students in this area are heading into finals. Mm-hmm. Any any words of advice to students as they enter through? They're burning the midnight oil studying right now. Yes. Stress levels are high. Yes. What are some things that some, you know, words of 
advice you can offer. Yes. I love that we're doing this podcast during a finals. I thought that was hilarious. Uh, But yeah, I think for finals, trying not to be a perfectionist, but just have high standards for yourself is really important. And the difference would be that a perfectionist is going to study twice as much as everyone else, stay up all night and not sleep not do well on the exam because they didn't sleep all night and then feel bad about the B minus that they got, you know, and a kid with high standards is going to go, okay, I'm going to study the amount of time that everybody else is studying what I should. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to sleep well the night before. I'm going to eat breakfast. I'm going to get up and I'm going to accept the grade that I got and be happy with it because it's the best I could do. I mean, for a lot of kids, I'll also recommend writing down all the things you have to do when they're due. So like have this exam this day, you know, a science is on Wednesday, math is on Thursday, and then write down how many hours do you think you need to study that, put it in a schedule, protect that time and do it, take little breaks, reward yourself. And once kids can see it all laid out, like I have time to do these things and I also have time to have rest and do the things I want to do, their anxiety will decrease. Yeah. yeah. And I think a little downtime is just, it's, yeah, they it's have important. To have breaks. I have to ask you one other thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'd love to hear, you know, how you would you know, your words for a child or a student rather that would be experiencing this. Because I have heard, you know, a student say um, that's a good student Mm -hmm. and but they're looking at somebody else's grades like I am not I'm not that smart Mm -hmm. because all my other friends are getting these grades on their tests. So even though they are actually doing they're doing well, they're looking at other people Mm -hmm. and they're comparing themselves and that that you know, eats them up. I mean, how, what do you say to that? Like how they're great, Mm -hmm. you know, how do you keep them to focus on themselves and just excel and use their God-given gifts Mm -hmm. to, you know, do the best they can? Yeah. I do some education around the fact that comparison is a normal thing that your brain is kind of seeing, are you running with the pack? You know, like we're supposed to be kind of pack animals. And so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it, it looks around to see how are you doing? It's normal that you're comparing yourself. But then you're sort of taking this one little niche of your life and seeing how you're doing where you you have strengths they don't have or, you know, where they actually have weaknesses. You're not looking at all of that, right? You're just, your brain is choosing the areas where you don't perform as well to try to make you feel yucky about it in order to motivate you to study harder and stay with the pack. So you kind of say like, thank you, brain, for trying to motivate me by making me feel really yucky, but it's actually not helping. You know, if I'm doing the best I can, I'm going to just stay on my path. Yeah, that's good advice. That's good advice. Um, okay, so I'm, I'm really excited that you will be here on January the 31st from 8 to 9 a.m. here at Brentwood Academy yep. speaking on this very topic. Um, it's called Helping Your Child Cope with Anxiety. And um, I know that you'll probably go into a more extensive detail, you know, on this very topic because we have such short time on the podcast. Mm-hmm. But um, it's It'll be of great value. I'm really looking forward to you coming. And this is a, this is a, it's free and it's open to the public. So anybody tuning in, you are welcome to join us um, and listen to Dr. Lauren King speak on this topic. Again, January 31st from 8 to 9 a.m. at Brentwood Academy. Um, it's a great time to kind of get further detail and ask you questions. Totally. Because Come armed with questions because I, I definitely like to leave time for that. I know, because what's most important is that all of our kids are in different places, mm-hmm. and they're all dealing with stuff, and, and the picture looks different. And so, you know, I think this is just really important, even for people whose kids deal maybe not with heavy anxiety, but some stress, but how can we prevent them 
you know, from kind of going for it and just being able to manage what's in front of them. And I think that you're going to be able to offer some great direction on that. We're so grateful to have you here. Um, so thank you. Thanks for having me. We really appreciate having This is Dr. Lauren King with Southeast Psych in Brentwood, Tennessee. Um, very fortunate to have her here. So thank you so much. Thanks for listening. It's always great to hear the wonderful stories, moments, and insights from members of the BA community. If you have an idea for a podcast episode, we want to hear it. Just visit BrentwoodAcademy.com forward slash podcast to submit your episode idea today. Thank you.